Hey guys, welcome into the Corked Up podcast episode, NFL coach ranking episode. Episode in there twice, Frank, why not? Twice is nice. It was beautiful, to, poetic. It's a terrible start here again. Uh, welcome in, guys. I'm Jack Savio. He's Frank Naris, as always. Uh, we are going to get into uh, some NFL coach rankings. We haven't done this before. Um, we are extremely excited. Uh, we always like doing our little rankings in the offseason. We did the uh, the top five players from each team. That was a ton of fun a couple of years ago. We may have to bring that back in some sort of way, Frank. Maybe like going into the season, who are our top five players Ooh, on the team? Ooh, that's a good the one. Current team. That might be good. That might be a fun one to do. Um, or what about what about like top five fantasy assets on ooh, each team? That could okay. be a good one. That might be better. As opposed to who's our, our, our favorite. But uh, we'll we'll kick around some ideas. But today, I'm, strictly... I'm going to jot that down while you're talking. <laughs> Make sure we don't forget, because we totally... Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and get into the uh, our, our NFL head coach rankings. These are the head coaches, obviously. We're not going to get into the OCs, DCs. and, and It just gets too much. Um, but uh, yeah, no, no, no NBA today. Um, obviously, with the the finals still going on, we might get to that next week, um, depending on if the series is wrapped up. Um, but uh, yeah, for now, let's just uh, we're just gonna jump in. So the way we have this structured, we list our our head coaches one through um, twenty. I don't know, Frank. What did you end up with? I ended up at twenty six. I went to twenty five, and we only 25. had one okay. discrepancy. One more. One more. There. So yep. And, and the and you're probably thinking to yourself, well, there's there's 32 teams you guys fucked up. No, we we listed some of the unknowns. Um, for me, that was rookie head coaches just with no head coaching experience. Frank threw another guy in there, um, just due to interim experience. So we'll we'll discuss that a little bit. Um, and we'll go ahead and uh, we did rank Frank. I don't know. Did you rank your unknowns in their own like little section? I I didn't rank the unknowns but the two that i think are gonna that are in really good situations are robert sala um and arthur smith i I think those are the front runner new head coaches that um should keep their job for a little while you know what but for me robert sala specifically i like the going against the grain thing everybody wants the young hot offensive coordinator, the Sean McVay effect. And it's like, no, we're going to get someone who we think can lead a team regardless of offense, defense, special teams. And Robert Sala, I think really embodies that. Frank is just jumping right in. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to remark to that point, but uh, just to give you guys a little more structure as well, we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. Kind of like we did a a couple weeks ago. Um, We're going to go 26 through 20 uh 21 and then we'll go 20 to 16 15 to 11 and then et cetera et cetera and we'll finish with our our top five so um yeah we'll start with the unknowns i had uh just an overall list i had arthur smith as my number one unknown in this kind of their own rankings uh brandon staley the chargers new head coach is number two he was their the rams defensive coordinator for a while um you got Robert Sala. He's my number three in the, with the Jets. Uh, Nick Sarani uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. And then our <laughs> our last one, David Culley for, for Houston. And <laughs> Frank, I literally wrote on my list, 65 years old with a bunch of exclamation marks. Yeah. It, that, 
<laughs> I want to start there with, with Houston. It'll be quick. <laughs> that has to be the absolute worst situation to be in, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel really bad for him I, because it's like, on one hand, you can't say no to a head coaching job, right? Like, there are 32 of these things. There's no, you know, there's no given that you're going to get a, any no 65. Guarantees. Well, there's no guarantee that you're going to get another offer right. next year or the year after or whatever. And then he's like, he gets the head coaching job and it's just a fucking dumpster fire right now. Like, <laughs> the Texans, especially if Deshaun Watson, if Deshaun Watson didn't play, they might sneak to get you six, eight wins. I mean, he's that good of a player. If he doesn't play, the over-under on wins should be like one and a half or two. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it's it's insane. That That is the worst situation in football right now. Yeah, especially because they have no team leader with, obviously, J.J. Watt now with the Arizona Cardinals. Like, they just don't have anyone. And then I'm not sure how familiar you are with the behind-the-scenes stuff. They're, is he their general manager now? He, like, worked his way up from team pastor to, like, all the way up through the ranks and is, like, making organizational decisions now. And it's like the weirdest fucking thing. Well, that explains I, I was, why they hired a 65-year-old man to be their head coach. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I, I think it was Arian Foster who touched on it on a podcast. If I'm rem- I can't remember which one it was. It was either that or, or, or a different NFL podcast that I listened to. And they were just like, they went very in-depth as like, what the hell is going on in Houston? And he's a big part of the problem. Like, not very many players like him, but I guess he's really cozy with the owner. So it it just blows my mind that they in in today's NFL that you can very that you can just justify hiring a 65 year old first time head coach. I, if he had had a head coaching experience elsewhere, I don't think that bothered me that much. But first time head coach like this day and age, like you talked about against the grain, that is. That that might be worse than hiring a defensive guy. Like that's the exact opposite of a Sean McVay. They're just like, listen, <laughs> we're going back old school. Because <laughs> they and Nagy are watching 1940s highlights right now. They have like they're on Facetime. Running, yeah, they have like 18 running backs. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, Urban Meyer was uh, was my you know another unknown. I don't want to spend too much time on the unknowns. I, it speaks for itself. Um, you know, rookie head coach, obviously uh, had a lot of, you know, success in college, but I, I don't know, not a whole lot for me to, to, to believe in right now. We'll have to see how that goes. Um, Nick Sirani, he had a very weird press conference. He seemed a little nervous, but you know, but he's coming from the Frank, it's, it's kind of that Frank Reich tree now. We'll, we'll see yeah, yep. kind of how that builds out. He has the familiarity in, in Philly. So made sense there. Um, Robert Sala, Frank already touched on him. Brandon Staley, of course, again, touched on him. And then Arthur Smith, I think he has the the best chance of success out of all of this group. Um, honestly, I'm curious to see, Frank, how much that Titans offense maybe takes a step back from what they've been doing the last couple of years. Um, I, I just think, you know, he has a veteran quarterback right now. It's It seems like a place to go that he may be able to succeed pretty quick. Totally agree. Yeah, no. And, and the only one that I had in as an unknown that you didn't was Dan Campbell with Detroit. I know Dan had the interim job. Was it the Dolphins that he had the mm-hmm. interim job with? Yeah. Yep. Um, so I still considered him an unknown, even though it obviously is head coaching experience. I just think, you know, being a head coach of a team that's really yours and you get to really have your fingerprints on it, like an interim coach midway through the year, you know, you're just sort of doggy paddling at that point and, and, and making sure that you don't, uh, you know, tarnish anything, any sort of good grace with, uh, you know, GMs and such for a hiring process. So 
Yeah. I think I think in, in those situations you play it extremely safe versus like this is what I really want to do, you know? Yeah, you're you're not gonna hear me arguing that he shouldn't be in the unknowns. Like I, I don't care about Cam. His name's gonna come up very shortly on your list anyway, so it's not yeah, there's not I, I mean Yeah, yeah, I mean and, and speaking of which we can just jump in right now yep. to so this is twenty six through twenty two. Um I'll we'll, I'll give let's nine. go twenty one. We'll go twenty one. Twenty six to twenty one, that's fine. Um because you have 25, that's right. You don't have yep. 26. So um, I'll just give you mine, my my five, my six, and then you can give yours as well, and we'll kind of go, you know, see see where we're at. So for me, uh, 26, bottom of the barrel, Zach Taylor with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, 25, Dan Campbell with the Lions. 24, Joe Judge with the Giants. Uh, 23, Vic Fangio. 22, Cliff Kingsbury, and then 21, my boy John Gruden. Uh, so to, to round off that list, um, Frank, before I get to yours, I just want to say something real quick towards the bottom. It got really difficult to, it did. to, to, to sort out this, just this trash at the bottom of the list. But, um, Frank, where, where are you at with, uh, with yours? So for me, 25 is Zach Taylor. Um, I do think this year he has a real shot to really, flip that on its head though he he's there because what is this he's going to be his fourth year with Cincy and they let's be real he hasn't had much to work with here so I think we saw some some flashes with, with Burrow if he stays healthy this year and they're able to 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 net some wins together I, th- I think we change our tune on him him is you damn near could have put him as weird as it sounds being a three-year vet as a head coach you damn near could have put him in the unknown he I mean he was he took over a very dysfunctional organization at that point um 24 for me joe judge uh 23 for me is and this is one we really disagreed on is mike zimmer uh 22 mike mccarthy and 21 is john gruden um (laughs) for me zimmer i think what and this will be the only one that i really that i really touch on i think all all the other ones kind of speak for themselves seeing the ebbs and flows that he's had with Minnesota going from like an elite defense. And this is what he coaches to, you know, just a complete shit show. And then what they did last year with trading for Ngakwe and then like letting, I mean, it, the direction of that organization just seems very, very strange. Um, and I don't know. It, it just, it's, it's always like hit because you think of when they uh, beat, what was it, the Saints a few years ago on that crazy Stephon Diggs play, and you're like, man, this team should compete. I mean, you got Case Keenum at quarterback. The defense is elite. If you just sort of, <laughs> yeah, you know, plug in a new quarterback, and, and granted, they, you know, they got Kirk Cousins, who was an upgrade, but we know who he is. I just feel like Zimmer should have been doing more with what they've had the last few years. And 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 to me, like, I think we'll get more into philosophically when we talk about why coaches are ranked from the both of us, but that was a big reason why I had him lower I just, I think he should have had better seasons the last few years. So, so spoiler, uh, just, just spoilers. I don't think people care too much about the exact numbers, but I have, I have Mike Zimmer at, at 16 and I put that there tongue in cheek a little bit because it's right. It's, it's right in the middle of NFL head coaches, 16 out of 32. It's right at halfway. And that's just the Vikings to me. They're the, they're the most average team you can possibly be. That's where I have Kirk Cousins, where I had him. And that's why I put his coach there, <laughs> too. Great. But if I'm being honest, Frank, like it, to me, it just speaks more about the reason I had him so much, so much higher than you. I think I just 
couldn't see myself putting him below some of these coaches. There's one coach in particular I, I maybe could have argued, made an argument for, um, and just all context, you know, full, full transparency, Ron Rivera, I probably could have put him a little bit higher. Um, but you have to also respect what Mike Zimmer has, has been able to do. I mean, they, sure, they haven't won that much um, in terms of like playoffs and stuff, but I think it's been impressive just that they are as consistent as they are. You can kind of count on them to be kind of like hanging around. So I, I feel like that should give some credit. That's why he's not top 10, though. They don't win enough. Right. That's, it just it, it is what it is. And you're right about the defense. They had like this like top five defense and it kind of just they still have those players. Some some of those players, which just doesn't make sense. Like, but you see things with like Xavier Rhodes, who, you know, leaves Minnesota. He he was good for a couple of years in, in Minnesota and then he leaves because he was just bad. And then he goes to Indianapolis and he's refound himself. So like that that kind of stuff makes me wonder, all right, like what's what's going on? you know, with that defense, but they still have guys with names. Like I, it's, it's very interesting. So, so that was definitely an interesting one. Zach Taylor, I think for me, um, the reason I have him so low, it's not necessarily about wins and losses. I obviously going to Cincinnati, he was going in a rebuild. Like you're asking a lot, but at the same time, you hear just like culture stuff coming out from Cincinnati and how, how bad that is. And guys don't want to play for him. So there was talks that he was going to be fired this year and, and, you know, didn't end up happening, but that definitely has me a little bit, you know, wondering like, all right, what's really going on in there. Um, yeah, Joe judge brand new, you know, I, I like some of the things he did towards the end of the year. Uh, the giants team, I think he could, he could shoot up the rankings a little bit if he can get, um, Daniel Jones on track, Vic Fangio, I mean, we kind of knew what this was going to be when he, when he left the Bears, right? This is why we were like, no, stay. You don't need to do this, man. Um, they have a good, very good defense. They have a lot of good players, but I, I don't know about that <laughs> that offense, Frank. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, I, he, if, if there was one candidate we're talking about getting fired this year, I think it's him, Frank. Wow, I, really? I, I really do. Like, th- that offense looks good at some times. But I feel like that's more on Kyler Murray just being a playmaker than it is a designed offense. Does that make that's sense? Fair. No, it it, it it totally makes sense. I, I that's fair. I think I have him higher on my list. And and I think there's even something to be said though about maybe it isn't necessarily the design and maybe it is more Kyler, but there's something to be said for a head coach to allow that. You know, you think of like all the coaches egos and, and, you know, so like, no, this is our scheme and this is what we do. Like, you're not going to you're going to go through reads three and four and five before you even consider. Like, I think there's something to to be said to let to let a player be themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good way to look. But again, I, I think that's what made this very interesting for me, because I sort of had to check my philosophy and sort of check, like, why I think about a coach the way that I do. Yeah. 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 I mean, that. I think that's what's interesting about this is we're going to get our kind of own viewpoints on, on why yep. we have guys in certain spots. But uh, John Gruden, I think right outside the top 20, I think it's interesting we had him in the same spot at, yep. at 21. Um, I, I mean, they they should have committed to a rebuild five years ago when he first took over, but they this team is just not good. They're yeah. just not good. I mean, and just, the, the decisions that he makes, it, it's just not good. It's just I know. not good. He is, 
he's one of those coaches that, I mean, he's just a, a straight up professional NFL head coach, right? Like he is, there is no rebuilding. There's like, we are going to churn at this. We're going to go yeah. at this and we are going to try to win. Like that's just what a professional head coach does. And it seems like there doesn't, there isn't really like a long-term plan ever. It's like, this is a year. So if they can catch lightning in a bottle, yeah, they might fuck around and win something. Right. But it's like, he's not necessarily building. And we've seen that everywhere. We saw that in Tampa. It was a one year thing. It was like, bam, we got it. This is the year we captured it all. And then yeah. that was it. And then even with like Oakland back in the day, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, there, there's never these strings of years, but it's like he goes about it seemingly the right way from year to year. But there isn't that like overall building yeah. pattern to anything, if that makes sense. No, that that definitely makes sense, and and you definitely see that in the way that he structures, uh, yeah, his team just like his the defenses. They draft a lot of uh, a pro, uh, not pro ready. Obviously, a lot of the guys in the draft are. I, that phrase works, but I'm thinking more in the sense that just like having a lot of college experience, yeah, older guys that aren't necessarily looking to develop. Like they may have a a, a low ceiling, but a but very their high floor, floor is super high. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then uh, a guy you touched on, you know, going from twenty uh, to to twenty to sixteen. Yep. Yeah, uh, a guy you touched on was was Mike McCarthy, um, and I only put him in the top twenty. I literally wrote it in parentheses here, pedigree alone. Like right now, I don't think he's a top twenty coach. I, I could you you could argue maybe Cliff Kingsbury is better coach than him right now. Um, but that being said, I don't think McCarthy got a fair shake of it last year obviously with Dak being hurt, but he just didn't do a whole lot with that. I mean, that offense should have been like with Andy Dalton, that offense should have been much better than what it was. And I think that's why as a Bears fan, I don't have a lot of high expectations for Andy Dalton. Like he doesn't have those weapons, but it just, you know, he's just, he's just not a good coach. I don't think he's that good. That's why I have him that low. Um, number 19 for me was Matt rule. Um, 18, Matt Nagy, 17, Ron Rivera, and then 16 was Mike Zimmer, as we talked about. So, uh, Frank, what was your 20 to six to, uh, to 16? Yeah, and like I said, Mike Zimmer, I think, might be our biggest disagreement in terms of numbers. Um, so for me, 20 is uh, Matt Rule. Um, 19 is Vic Fangio. 18 is Matt Nagy. 17 is River uh, Riverboat Ron Rivera. And 16 is Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and th- this is really where I got into the, the philosophy of everything. Like Matt Rule, you can maybe argue he could, he should be a little bit lower, like into the 20s. Maybe you do put like a McCarthy, like just a season veteran like McCarthy yeah. or Gruden or maybe even Zimmer above him. Um, but I really liked what he did with the lack of talent with Carolina in that first year. Like they were a very fun team to watch. That offense I mean, if once they get the pieces, I mean, if Darnold can be a really good quarterback for them, they're going to have a really good offense because he, I mean, DJ Moore looked really good. They added, um, why am I blanking on uh, Terrace Marshall in the draft? Uh, Robbie Anderson, like, you know, if, if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy because Mike Davis went bananas, like, like that offense, he, he, he is a really good offensive coach. And I think as they continue to, I mean, they only draft defense at this point. Like our offense is set. We're just going to, so if they can put that together, I really like what I saw from him. So for me, it was more of like a projection of, I think if they, if they can build this thing, I see a lot in him. Um, 
Fangio for me, this may sound weird, but he's doing better than I thought he would would in Denver. Mm. I mean, he he he's had a very raw shake there with the quarter. I mean, their quarterback position. Granted, it's still on him to find a better one, but it just hasn't been good. And for him to you know to have that defense where it needs to be to even keep them in games with with that atrocious uh you know offense that they've had, uh, I I think is telling for me. 18 was Nagy. Um, if we did this exercise after 2018, he probably would have been top 15, honestly. But yeah. And you can even make the argument maybe he should be lower than some of these guys. But I, I think for me, we we touched on it a ton, so I won't go too in-depth. But, like, what our disappointment is, the reason he's 18 is more because of his play calling and less about him yep. as, like, a head coach. Like, yep. he's a very good head coach. He, he, he gets guys to rally around. You never hear anyone complain about him. It's the offensive play calling that's held him back. Uh, Ron Rivera, 17, for me um, – Honestly, I, I now that I'm looking at it, I probably I, I want to put him higher. Uh, I mean, he's just been in the league so long, and he's I, he's another example. He did so much with so little talent to get yeah. seven wins out of that team in Washington is fucking insane. Like he's such a good head coach to get that amount of wins out of out of that talent depleted. Uh, and they, granted, they shouldn't have made the playoffs, but you know it is what it is. You, you know they 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 played very well with, with the amount of talent that they had. And then 16 for me was Cliff. And again, I, I thought he would be the worst coach in the league going in, like just hearing what was happening in interviews and like what, like won him the job and like seeing that the air raid didn't even really work in college like that. And it's like, for me, it's translated better than what I thought it was. So maybe that's why it's skewed for me. And I'm like, this guy's pulling eight wins, you know, nine, like nine wins. Like he's doing a lot, but I, I thought he would be fired after year two. Like that was literally my prediction for Cliff Kingsbury is that he would be fired after year two. And I sort of, it sort of flipped for me where it's like, he might, you know, he, it, maybe if he gets fired from Arizona for whatever reason, I think he would be hired immediately. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll touch on on Nagy as well, and you know, as much as we, I, I think now looking back on it, last year doesn't really matter in terms of going on that win streak because they got Justin Fields, so it, it worked right. out pretty perfectly. I'm not going to complain too much. Um, but while we were making jokes about the, you know, the six game losing streak and how oh, we, we stayed together and, you know, as frustrating as that was because we didn't see a clear path forward to being good again. Now, it's obviously a little more feasible with potentially a good, you know, franchise quarterback. But I think that does say a lot about Matt Nagy and his coaching style. Like there are a lot of guys with a lot of personality on that team, you know, Allen Robinson, uh, Akeem Hicks, guys who would speak their minds and not necessarily be afraid to tell you how it is. Um, we didn't hear a fucking peep from that team <laughs> during that six. Like we just, you know, got to keep working, got to keep getting better. Like they, they buy into Matt Nagy. They, they know what it is. And I think, I think he did a pretty masterful job of kind of deflecting the position to the quarterback being like, listen, this just, you know, we're going to go as far as our quarterback. And, and guy, I think guys, you know, a lot of guys bought into that. Um, I, I still like him as a head coach. I, I don't love him as a play caller. Maybe that changes. We've talked about this. I, I don't know how many times, you know, um, he, he needs to make some adjustments for sure, but he needs to find a, a quarterback who can potentially run his system. And then Ron Rivera, not too much more I want to say there, but um, you know, just overall, like, I think the fact that he went to Super Bowl with with Cam Newton and that that says a lot. Like I, he probably could be higher, but there's just coaches. I, I was looking at this more of in the sense like right now, 
who are the coaches that I like in, in certain situations and, you know, situations I think did play into it a little bit more. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my explanation for why he's at 17 for me. Um, yeah, I mean, Matt rule. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> he has, I think of, of my 20 to 16, I think Matt rule has the best chance of catapulting closer to the top 10 if not in the top 10, depending on what they do this year. Yeah, I I can't see Matt Nagy ever reaching top 10 status. I mean, mean, he's going to have to get it together with the play calling. I mean, he is, whether whether it's with the Bears or not in the next few years, he's going to be a head coach again because he, I mean, he's a leader. He's a very good leader. Yeah. Um, It's just, he can't, whatever his offensive system is, or if it's just him overthinking play calling some, there's a disconnect there. Yeah. Uh, for and that was the whole reason that we hired him. We didn't know anything about him as a leader. You never had to lead men before. I, I, offensive right. coordinators don't really do that. They just they call plays. You know what I mean? And they develop players. Like, so I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, let's go ahead and go uh, 15 to 11. Um, so I had I had your hero Brian Flores at number 15, uh, Mike Vrabel number 14, Matt Lafleur at 13, which I'm sure will surprise few people here and there but uh number 12 is Kevin Stefanski with the Browns and then number 11 uh Frank Reich with the with the Colts uh Frank go ahead and give me uh give me your list yeah we're we're starting to get to the point where things are uh things are getting a little similar here uh 15 for me is your hero Frank Reich uh <laughs> 14 for me is Kevin Stefanski 13 is Mike Rabel 12 is Brian Flores and 11 is Sean McDermott that was one wow. that, that that was one where we that's going to be that's, that's going to be that, that's the biggest one right there. That's our yeah. biggest disagreement. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have to we'll have, maybe have to save that for when I get to Sean McDermott and turn Yeah, we will. Yep. Forth there. Um that is definitely the biggest change uh for sure. But um yeah, I mean Brian Flores, I you know, I know I know why you love him. Um just what he was able to do with that that Miami team. It's it's impressive, and if he can, Extremely, if yeah. Tua if Tua can be the guy, um, you know I think they're they're in a good situation. They have a really fun defense to watch. They have some interesting playmakers, but I think my biggest issue and the reason that he is a little bit lower um, than some other guys is just the fact that I didn't love what he did at the end of the year last year with putting into a, but then kind of bringing in. <laughs> Fitzpatrick as a, as a closer, essentially like that just didn't, that didn't do it for me. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that spot makes sense. Um, Vrabel, a lot of success with the Titans. Um, you know, one interesting thing for me, Frank, is I could see Mike Vrabel going lower. In fact, I could probably make an argument right now that he should be a little bit lower. And the reason for that is we will have to see how much Arthur Smith meant to that team. Because is it more that Mike Vrabel kind of, you know, kind of riding the coattails a little bit of that offense? Like that Titans defense, that's his thing, was not very good the last couple of years. Um, But there were some things I did like that he, he clearly knows the rules. He felt like a build a Bill B clone, like with some of the yep. way he gave the system yep. a little bit last year. I did. So I did like that, but I, I, that's, that's my argument there. Um, and then before I get to the other three, you know, I just 
you know, do you have any 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 thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so for, to to rebuttal your Brian Flores point for me it's it's sort of twofold and th- this is I, I I think where we where we disagree for the development of of Tua that was that was bad yeah. right but the fucking balls that it takes yeah as a head coach <laughs> I mean because you, you're, you're potentially damaging someone you know this young quarterback's confidence you know damaging you know the, the maybe if half the locker room likes Tua and the other half likes that and it may be seen as sort of your your you know playing both sides of the fence but brian flores is like look i don't give a fuck like this is what i feel like gives me the best chance to win and he just pulled the trigger and you know what i mean and it's like you can get into the weeds of like what does that actually mean for two uh, and this but like yeah. for me i looked at that from a coaching standpoint as a positive for a development standpoint no but his thing was i do want to get this kid playing time but if i don't have faith he's going to finish this game i still want to win Fuck yeah. just developing him. We could have kept him in there and maybe only won seven games. I still want to make the playoffs. I still want to win. And, I, you know, I, I took that more as a positive than it was a negative, at least coaching. it Again, developmentally, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I really, I, I like that out of him. And I just think, just like you said, what he's done with, you know, pretty much no-name talent on defense. And, and now they're, they're starting to become names now because of him. Like, we're, we, we know who these guys are now. But, like, he turned that defense around so quick. That is a really yeah. good defense that they have, man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm really high on him. Rabel, I think, for me, is it's more of a culture thing. Just like you were saying, like, the little craftiness that he kind of took from Bill B and, and, and yeah. knowing the uh, knowing the rule book and just sort of, I mean, he his players play tough. They play hard. Like, he just sort of instilled that immediately. Like, we have Derrick Henry. We're going to run the ball. We, we This is what we're going to do. It may not look pretty all the time but we're going to do it. And he just sort of instilled that there. So I think, I think as it stands, I think he's definitely earned his spot on both of our lists. Um, but I, I'll flip, I'll flip what you said about Arthur Smith. I wonder how much of the success actually came from Vrabel wanting to run the ball versus Arthur Smith wanting to pass the ball a little bit more. So yeah. I think we're going to learn a little bit more about both of them this yeah. year and kind of what their philosophies are. You know what I mean? So that's going to be an interesting thing. Yeah, um, no, totally agree. Um, and then just uh, for for me, um, where did did you have Matt Lafleur in this in this section? I or did not. He's top ten. Okay. He's high right. up. He's top ten. Yeah. So uh, I'll wait for you to get to him before I before I dive into why I think he's outside the top ten. Um, Kevin Stefanski, number twelve for me. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, I just think you know, anytime any coach takes the Browns to a playoff, he, he should be at least top 15 for sure. But um, the way he did it, I think was impressive. I think he maximized, I think we've probably seen Baker Mayfield ceiling, like, and, and it's not, not great, you know, probably not the best number one overall pick of all time. But I think if he's going to look like that, then I think, you know, he's in a good situation. Um, Just the way they run the ball as well. Like, I mean, Kareem Hunt, fell into their laps so that obviously <laughs> helped a little bit but um I just like the way I, I like how they play man I like how Same. that team operates um I could see them winning winning some ball games a Super Bowl I don't know but you know I, I think I think Kevin Stefanski probably has this team at its peak and and can they get better I don't know I'm really interested to see how that defense plays they made a lot of additions which I'm excited about but uh, but that's why I had him there. And then uh, real quick, Frank Reich. I mean, 
talk about what Brian Flores has done with kind of like a middling team. Yeah. Um, not a ton of talent. I think Frank Reich, just what he's done on the offensive side of the ball. The defense, sure, you know, they have some playmakers, obviously Darius Leonard, um, DeForest Buckner. You know, they, they don't have a ton of corner help, but um, just how that op- that offense operated with a, a quarterback who could not throw the ball more than 20 yards and they were still contending for a playoff spot like that was that was impressive. I'm excited to see what he can do with with Carson Wentz again, um, see if he can kind of you know revive that career a little bit. But um, I think Frank Reich, I, I, I don't, I'm not mad that he you had him at 15. I could I could you know hear the arguments that he should be a little bit lower, but um, I don't think he gets enough media, uh, national attention that that he should and i give that he's you know needs to obviously consistently go to the playoffs do that but that being said he has a good pedigree and obviously won a super bowl that's you know not as a head coach obviously but calling plays and stuff so that that's kind of how my my list you know rounded out and then obviously i'll save lafleur for when we get to to where you have him yeah no and i think uh really the only because i agree totally with frank reich um kevin stefanski the the improvement that that Baker is going to make in his career, if he's going to make one, is just going to be consistency. We've seen his ceiling. We've seen yeah. really good games and even stretches of games. If he can sort of hire that floor where the floor isn't like four picks, it's, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. maybe throwing the ball away a few times instead of getting those interceptions or just whatever, just random examples. But like if, if, if Stefanski can, can continue to raise that floor and get him to play consistently, he's going to catapult. He's going to catapult very high. Because he went in there year one and just instilled. I mean, they punched the big brother in the mouth. Yeah, you know, two two yeah. weeks in a row. You know what I mean? Like that's I, and people will act like that doesn't matter. That th- those types of narratives and things 100% matter. That yeah. that is a real thing. You're lying if if you know, you know, as soon as Bears fans are, are as soon as a rookie Bear is in there and the reporters asked him like, oh, like, you know, what 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 do you what is the first thing you want to do? And they're like, beat Green Bay. They know how important that is for fans. They know how important it is for culture. It's the same thing with these rivalries. You you know. So for him to, to be able to do that immediately uh, was was awesome. I think the only one that I had and we'll, we'll touch on is Sean McDermott. So we can get more in depth there. I think we can dive right into 10 to 6 here. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 10 to 6 for me, um, right at the top 10, right at the brink, Pete Carroll, uh, Sean McVay, number nine, Kyle Shanahan with the 49ers at number eight, Mike Tomlin with the Steelers at number seven, and then Bruce Arians, uh, number six, obviously with Tampa Bay. So, um, Frank, what'd you have from 10 to six? For me, uh, 10 was Matt LaFleur. Nine is Kyle Shanahan. Uh, eight is Pete Carroll. Seven is Sean McVay and six is John Harbaugh. Okay. Okay. Top five is going to look a little, a little different. Um, I'll, I'll start with Pete Carroll at number 10. Um, Honestly, the, part of me wanted to bring him a little bit lower if, if I'm, but I looked at it as guys who have won Super Bowls as head coaches. And for me, that, that does matter. That, that does matter to me. So I, I, I couldn't take him out of the top 10, but I, I kind of wanted to, um, if I'm being honest, like that team should be way better. And I think the decisions that he makes, it's almost like he's almost just a better Gruden. If, if that makes sense, like he makes some really questionable choices with that roster and they haven't really been a threat for what, like maybe, maybe three or four years now. 
this was the last time they like really you really thought they could maybe win something. They just feel like a middling team with a really damn good quarterback, if not one of the one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So I, I just there's just not a lot for me. There's not a lot for me to like with when it comes to Pete Carroll. Right. Like I, that. That's my thoughts on that. I th- So I think I think we would look at him differently if this was the mid 2000s. Cause I think it, I think there's, there's something to be said for like style points and it's his teams are just year in and year out. Very ugly, right? Like even when they were winning and competing for Super Bowls, it was just like ugly football. Mm-hmm. Uh, his in-game decision-making isn't the best. And I would actually flip it on it or, or, or have a different comp for him. I think he's a better Matt Nagy because it's like, it's the same thing. Like the offenses are just like, the talent that we have something here that we should probably be better. Yeah. But we somehow keep fucking winning. And it's like the ugliest football <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. But it's like on steroids with him. Cause he's been to super bowls. He's been to the playoffs consistently. He gets double digit wins almost every year. You know what I mean? But it's like, it always goes back to our joke. Like Russell throw for 400 yards, three <laughs> touchdowns, no picks and the score is six to three. And you're like, what the fuck am I watching right now? I just don't quite get it. Yeah. Um, but no, to, to your point, you know, it's, it's, he, yeah, I mean, he just, it should be better, but it's like, then when you look at the record, it's like, damn, they won, they just won 12 games. You know what I mean? Like right. it, all, it all just plays into that narrative of like, right. how is this happening? If, if you just watch them with your eyes, take the scores out, take the records out. You're like, this is a seven win team. <laughs> and then you like look at this. You look at the standings at the end of the year. You're like, they won 13 games. Like, how the fuck did they do this? And they're playing in another NFC yeah. type of game. Like, and, well, and, and though, but the one thing that really kept him, he was number eight for me, so kept him solidified in the top 10 is that he his. I, I don't remember what it was. I googled it and forgot to jot it down. But his his record in one score games is insanely yeah. good. Yeah. So like the, at, at a certain point for maybe a year, that's luck. For maybe two years, that's not luck over the whole stretch of your career you can't get that lucky you know what i mean right no i agree with that i that 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 is definitely a point in his favor for sure uh keeping his his team in game or is in yeah team in games um number nine i had sean mcveigh and um he may be a little bit high where'd you have him on your list i I had him at seven you had him at seven okay so not not super different but uh for me i had him a little bit lower um just in the sense that the guys above him I think have had more impressive careers to this point. And you made me like, what the hell are you talking about? How's Kyle, Kyle Shanahan has also been to a Super Bowl, like, yep. you know, in, <laughs> in a similar time frame to what Sean McVay did. And, oh, you know, he scored more than three points in that Super Bowl. Like, listen, I'm not the biggest Jared Goff supporter, but he is not that bad to the point where they, sh- they couldn't score more than three points in that Super Bowl. That was, that was an embarrassment. And the, the way he just refused to call the, the – he refused to use Todd Gurley, like, it just didn't make any sense to me. And Sean McVay, I, I think he's a little overrated um, compared to some of these other coaches. So that's why I kind of I, – I had it – that's why I flipped it. I did have him at, at above Kyle Shanahan. I was, like, mid-sentence. I wrote Kyle Shah. And then I was like, no, nah, that's, not, that's, not, that's not right. That's not right. So I crossed it out and then flipped him. Um, cause I do think Kyle Shanahan's had a more impressive career to this point. Um, he, he should have won in, in Atlanta. Totally get that. And they were beating the chiefs in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So it's yep. just, you know, his career could look a little bit different if, if that had played out, but 
Um, so that's kind of why I had those two back to back pretty close together. No, for sure. And I think they're they're both they're, they're two of the most impressive head coaches in this league for different reasons for me. I see. I disagree with you about golf being bad. I do think golf is that bad. That um, bad, though? I, I, I think he's that bad. Yeah, I, I, because some of the rumors that were coming out in what well, not rumors, some of the reports that were coming out in Goff's second season, Sean McVay's first season was that the offense really started to struggle towards the end of that year because defenses figured out that they weren't going to show their hand until the, the uh, microphone cuts off at 15 seconds because uh, Jared Goff can't read defenses. And <laughs> Sean McVay was setting him up, telling, telling him what the defense was doing, and then the mic cuts off at 15 seconds, the quarterback's on his own. They caught on to that, and yeah. it's like, what a, you know, I, what, I can't do anything. I can't assist you, and you don't know exactly what you're doing against NFL defenses. And I think for him to consistently win, granted, I'm believing that to be true. Sean McVay has never confirmed that, but that was like a very hot-button thing. Um, and I think for him to consistently win, uh, e- and even in different ways, like it didn't look like it did his first year. Like he, you know, got that team to win very differently over the last yeah. couple of years with what I think is a very bad, not a very bad, but a, a bad quarterback. Um, and then Kyle Shanahan, I mean, he's Where the is reason he on your list. Kyle Shanahan. Is he top five? He's nine. Oh, he's oh, nine okay. for me. Okay. Gotcha. And McVay is seven. And then Pete Carroll's in the middle. Okay. So Shanahan for me. I mean, I think he's the second best play caller in the league behind Andy Reid. Um, I'm super impressed with the. I mean, we we know, you know, Bethard and Mullins because of him. Like the, these yeah. guys. I mean, it, it isn't Nick Mullins in some like ridiculous stat category with Joe Montana or something for like the, the first 20 star or something like stupid that he should not be in. Yeah. But it's clearly because of Kyle Shanahan's offense. Like you put, he can strap me in there and he's gonna have me throw for 300 yards that game. Like I mean, he his play calling is phenomenal and. You know, he just keeps churning out running back. It doesn't matter who's back there, Mostert or McKinnon or who the hell ever. He's going to make them a good run. I mean, his offense hums, man. I, and and he, they've been hit with the injury bug the last couple of years. I really hope they can stay healthy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's he he's he's phenomenal. I don't think there's much more to be said about uh, about. I mean, you, you know, you know how much I like. Shan- I mean, my two favorite coaches are probably Shanahan and Brian Flores yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so real quick before we jump into the top five, the last two I had were Mike Tomlin at number seven, uh, and then Bruce Arians at number six. Um, nothing, nothing too insane that you haven't heard. I, I, I've always loved Mike Tomlin. Like I just, I just love that his team just always hangs around. Um, obviously, he's won a Super Bowl, so that always helps. And um, I mean, he still gets Ben to somewhat produce. But this defense is where he's made his money, and like yep. they're they're real damn good, Frank. Um, and then Bruce Arians, um, you know, I, it it sucks that he he had to leave two of my teams, even though he coached or he not leave, but he he should have been the head coach for one of one of my two favorite teams. He the the job he did with Andrew Luck in twenty in twenty twelve was just insane takes over for a coach that had cancer and then midway through. And he's just like, yep, we're going to win 11 games, make the playoffs with a rookie quarterback and a roster that just went two and 14 with pretty much the same pieces. Um, that'll still always be super impressive. And then obviously should have been the bears head coach. We know all about that, but um, you know, I, I think the most impressive thing for him that he was able to do in Tampa Bay was to get Tom Brady uh, to buy in 
Um, obviously, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, chemistry issues to begin the season. You know, the whole, oh, Brady's done that, you know, I never buy into because it's the same thing every year. Um, but you could see what they were trying to do and, and Brady started to buy in a little bit more and then they just turned it on towards the end of the year and that that defense was just fantastic. So that's that's how I, I thought of that. Um, but Bruce Arians, I think he's had some some down moments, which is what kept him out of the, the top five for me personally. Um, who did you have at, at five and six, Frank? So six for me was John Harbaugh and five for me was Bruce Arians. So we did, we differed there just a little bit. I think with Bruce, I mean, he's just a quarterback whisperer, man. I yeah. I, I mean, for him to even be in playoff contention, and you, you guys know how much I love Jameis Winston. It's not really a knock on him, but this guy was turning the ball over an insane, at an insane rate, but still being in games. You know, not, I, I think there's something to be said that, you know, we, we get very frustrated with Matt Nagy because it feels like he coaches scared sometimes. Bruce Arians didn't have a fucking scared bone in his body. 35 picks, I don't give a fuck. We're going to keep doing it. Like, I, we're yeah. going to keep churning at it, and it's going to work. Like, that, to me, is is huge. You know, and it's like not not everyone's built like that, whether that be in, in the coaching realm. Like, I was watching this uh, this documentary. I, I forgot who it was. It may have been Pauli Malinaji. when he was talking about a fight, and he, he it was one of his biggest – it actually was him. It was one of his biggest fights. He's fighting Miguel Cotto, a prime Miguel Cotto, a fucking killer – and Paulie is getting his ass whooped every single round, like brutally beaten. And he's telling you his mindset. He's like, the human instinct is telling you, you need to quit. You're like, you're hurt. Like, stop doing this. But then you're like, I went through this fucking two-month training camp. This is what I do. I'm here. And it's like this battle within your mind. And it's sort of like, think of that with, you know, coaching that way. It's like, I could if I ran the ball, maybe it's had a bit more. Maybe we'd be in this game a little bit more. But it's like, no, fuck it. Like, I'm going to keep – we're going to keep at it. We're going to keep – like, th- that's sort of like, no, this yeah. is this is my philosophy. I'm going to continue on with it, whether it's Jameis Winston or Tom Brady, and we're going to fucking win. And that's just what he does. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I respect the hell out of that for him, man. I mean, and you can't – you just can't doubt his offensive system. I mean, he's he's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Um, my my top five. Um, you want to get into the top five? Obviously, we just kind of spoiled your number five. But uh, yeah, uh, no. So I mean, you, you you had already touched on him, so I thought I thought it was good uh, yeah. to to touch on him there, and then we can do a little bit more of a deep dive on John Harbaugh because he's in yours, and he was number six for me. Yeah, I had uh, Sean Payton at number five. Um, John Harbaugh for me was number four. Uh, Sean McDermott number three. Obviously, had the biggest difference <laughs> between Frank and I right yeah. there. Um, I could, I, I probably got a little excited by putting him at number three, so I'm not necessarily going to die on a hill that he should be that yeah, high. Yep. Um, Andy Reid, number two, and then Bill Belichick, obviously, number one. Stop. We're, we're not even going I, to I, – I refuse to talk about why Bill, Bill is at number one and why Andy Reid is not above him. Like, what are we yeah. doing? What? Yeah. I mean, it goes – so, here, so here, here's my five. Five is Bruce, uh, Bruce Arians. Four is Sean Payton, three is Mike Tomlin, two is Andy Reid, one is Bill Belichick. And honestly, I, I could even make the case that, that that Mike Tomlin's number two for me. I love Andy Reid, but Tomlin is, you know, he's incredible. But to to your point, and this is more of a, a of, of a broad point, I it's like coaches really earn their keep for me when you sort of take away pieces from them and you really see them have to out scheme people. And it's like People looked at last year, you know, from Bill Belichick as a down year for him. And I'm like, look around at his roster. Yeah. 
Yeah. Eight players on his defense, which was a top five defense the year before, seven, it was seven or eight, opted out due to COVID. He gets a, a, a broken Cam Newton, and that's no disrespect. I know people keep saying he's not broken. He 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 threw for eight touchdowns, had eight picks. He couldn't throw the ball after he got COVID. I don't know if it was a COVID thing, because he did look all right the first couple games before he did catch it. But for whatever reason, he just didn't look like the Cam that we've seen at his height. Right. Maybe it's age, maybe whatever it is. He wasn't the same guy. But Bill, Bill Belichick won seven games with this team. I mean, th- yeah. that is astonishing. I mean, th- that that is a pr- – you can't uh, – there there are maybe, maybe five other coaches in this league that can get seven wins out of that team. And that, to me, just solidifies – like, I, I look at seasons like that and one with Mike Tomlin as well, two year, uh not this past season, but the year before that, Big Ben gets hurt. He gets eight wins out of that team. Yeah. How like I mean, when you for me, coaches, I, I get there's the Super Bowls, there's the deep playoff runs, there's the this, there's the that. You really earn your keep when you do stuff like that. That that yeah. is super impressive to me. And it's the same thing with Kyle Shanahan for him last year. Granted, it was maybe more of the fantasy side, but it's like he's got, you know, no quarterback. He's shuffling through quarterbacks every three weeks. And, and Brandon Ayuk is still going off for 100 yard games. This quarterback still do it. That's impressive to me. Same thing with Brian Flores for you to do what you're doing with minimal talent is, is astounding, you know? And, and I think when people look at Bill being, Oh, it was only Tom Brady. Like, no, it wasn't like, no, it wasn't like he, he look at what he's doing with it. Like people look at seven wins, like, Oh, we missed the playoffs. What is seven wins? Really look at that team. If that's a Zach Taylor team, they probably win one game. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like who, who else in this league? Mike Tomlin is another one that can probably get them. I don't even know if Andy Reid can do that because he requires a, a a quarterback that can sling it a little bit. I don't know if Cam can do that. Like th- these are defensive masterpieces that we're seeing by Bill Belichick to keep his team in games with, you know, practice squad players for half the year. And again, you look at all you have to do is look at the rap sheet. Yeah. Isn't he the, is is uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure right now he is the only head coach active head coach that has more than one Super Bowl ring. Is that does wrong? Tomlin, is, does Tomlin have two? I thought he had one, but I might be wrong about that. You, I could be wrong about that. Who did Big Ben win his first one with? Was that still, uh, that was power. Then he only has one. Then Tomlin only has one. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I'm sure, I'm sure someone will be like, Oh, how could you forget about that? Like, all right, relax. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, I think you're right. I, I think you're think correct. Right. I think it, as a head coach, I think he's the only one with multiple. Andy Reid just got his first. Because it's every other year the Patriots are winning the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> like what yep. are we doing here? Why? I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how anyone – and, again, you know, the same people, Frank, that, that you're talking about, the same people who are saying, oh, well, it's only Brady. Those exact same people are saying, well, you know, three of the rings that, that Brady won early on was because of Because of his deep like, – yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, was Bill then. Like, what do you <laughs> – what do yeah, you and then, but then, And then not to continue to get into the weeds here, but it's like you can't say like, oh – you know, Tom Brady, like, you know, they talk about like the, the Patriot way. Well, Tom Brady was the Patriot way. Tom Brady was a six round pick. He was molded into this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he is the Patriot way because he, they all developed this together. They, they, they did this. Like it just is what it was. Like you, you know, it's, it's, it's it's very strange take that people have on that. But I mean, just to touch on a few others, uh, I know we differ a little bit about, about Harbaugh, but the the most impressive thing for me, again, with like Harbaugh, it goes to, I mean, he he won a ring with Flacco, right, in a totally different style offense. He brings in Lamar Jackson, 
and goes to a super run. I mean, it's a totally different offense yeah. than what he did, and he still has success with it. Like, yeah. that to me is super impressive, man. Like, like the, not not only to change the offense to fit your personnel, but to have the balls to say, like, look, I know we're in a passing league, but we're going to run the rock 40 fucking times. I don't care. that That's what we're going to do. Granted, he's, he has to make adjustments now. We're seeing a little bit of them. They're going to continue to do that. Hopefully, Lamar can improve as a passer, as a pure passer. But, like, that takes fucking ball. And today's NFL, to th- that first year with Lamar Jackson, when he came in to run the rock 40 times yeah. a game, that's, I mean, that's, and, and the, but then not only do they run it 40 times a game, if you remember, Jack, just how fucking creative and fun that they were. Like, that, that wasn't a boring running team. That was yeah. a really fun, creative run the rock team. Like, that, that, it's stuff like that that you earn your keep for me and like your top 10, your top five, like that's so impressive to me. Yeah. I mean, this is literally the, you hit the nail on the head. The only reason, not the only reason, the biggest reason he's at number four for me, a top five head coach is because he literally won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that alone gets him up there. And, um, but, but you're, you're completely right. Like, completely changed this team's identity like overnight and it still works like he yep. just wins like that's just what he does and that's what the Ravens have always done with John Harbaugh as as the head coach it's it's a very impressive career the more you you kind of look at it um and then yeah Sean Payton is is one you know we both had in our, our top five um I think the pedigree speaks for, for itself I'll be curious to see what his offense looks like if who he decides to go with. We've kind of seen how it works a little bit with um, with Taysom Hill as the quarterback. But, you know, I, I think you and I, we, we touch on it almost every year. Um, you know, rookie quarterbacks look really good year one. The offseason happens. They do deep dives on them and actually see how they play. And then there's, you know, somewhat there's usually some sort of regression um, unless you're like Patrick Mahomes, then it just doesn't matter. Um, although he did regress cause he didn't throw 50, 50 touchdowns the next year. So, um, but I'll, I'll be curious to see how that works. Um, as teams just getting older, Frank, but yep. I mean, Sean Payton has kept the saints team relevant for forever. He made them relevant. They won a super bowl against obviously the Colts with one of the ballsiest super bowl plays I've, I've, I that onside I'm, kick. I mean that that that's that's a Hall of Fame moment like that. Yeah. I didn't even see it. I didn't even see it happen. We were, I was with my group of friends and we were watching the game as always and um we like flipped the channel because we you know the commercials were coming on and, and we we turn it back and all of a sudden the Saints have the ball and I'm like, what what's going on here? Like the Colts they kicked away. They should have the ball. Like, what did, What happened? And then we see the replays, and we're just like, holy fuck. Like, yeah. Who does that? No, I know. It's, who does that? I also think something that plays into it is, like, he he is, you know, one of the greatest schemers, play callers. But he, like, in terms of impact on today's NFL, he probably has the biggest one. I, I mean, for yeah. years after him everyone's looking for the next Sean Payton, the next young guy that's innovative, that can air the ball out, not be too predictable, out-scheme you, still be a good leader. I don't know. I mean, you know, Sean McVay was supposed to be that. I, I don't know if he's if he's there. Matt Nagy was another guy. I mean, because, you know, Matt Nagy was supposed to be another Sean McVay. He was supposed to be another Sean Payton. Like, 
you said sort of trickle down the line. Like you see a lot of these. I mean, Zach Taylor was another one. Was another one that's supposed to be the young guy, the offensive mind. Like we see this a lot, um, yeah. and it all spawns from Sean Payton being a success. So that you you know you can't take that from him at all. Like everyone's trying to be, everyone's trying to find the next Sean Payton when they're looking for a. I mean the Packers as well with Matt Lafleur. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we we've seen it nonstop, and uh, I I think that is going to be relevant for a very long time. Yeah, and uh, just, you know, I, I, he's not a guy that we had a, a, a chance to talk about uh, was Matt LaFleur. Um, I I had him outside of my top 10. Just, I still don't buy it. Like, I just, I don't buy that he's a top 10 head coach. I know the, the record looks really nice, but there's just so much to me that just says Aaron Rodgers is, is doing this. This is Aaron Rodgers. This is like... This is like Jim Caldwell getting credit for for the Colts teams that won. It's like, no, no. We all saw what happened. It's Peyton Manning. Like, that's what this is to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to see what he can do as a, as a coach without one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like, I need to see that because I just don't. I, I Maybe there's some bias there. It probably is. But I just don't see it. That's that's yeah. why I had him outside the top ten. There's there it was it was very difficult for me to put him ahead of guys that have been to Super Bowls, that have pedigree, that have won. When the last memory that we may have of, as Aaron Rodgers as, as a Packer is Matt Lafleur making one of the worst decisions you can make. Like I, he just. I don't know. I don't know how you make that argument that he's ahead some of these guys. So that's kind of that was my thought process um, on there. And I know you had him a little bit higher. Well, I had I had him right at 10. But I truth be told, 10 for me, 10 to about probably 17 was harder for me than the top 10 Mm -hmm. or like the top nine. Because, you know, I, I had Matt LaFleur at 10. But I could have easily had like Vrabel there and I had him at 13. I could have easily yeah. had maybe Kevin Stefanski. But but for me, going from Mike McCarthy and seeing how unbalanced that team was and really only having to make minor adjustments to 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 win again and seeing Matt LaFleur do that. Now, to, to your point, we haven't seen him without one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, but I think there's. I only need to make the small team and then we'll start, you know, it, it, the, the machine will be oiled again and he'll be able to prove himself if, and when Aaron Rodgers is gone and he's still there and he, we get to see him have to scheme a little bit more, have to do a little bit more, but I think it's just one of those things where you don't have to do that with, with Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? So it's, it's to me, I, I think we would have looked at him much more negatively had he gone in and said, this is my system. This is what we're going to do. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't like it, he can fucking leave. We'd have been like, what a fucking idiot. What a bonehead. You know what I mean? But it's like, to, to your point, I can see why you can sort of had, have a negative take on the flip end of that. It's like, he, you know, isn't necessarily doing that much where to me, I took that as a positive where it's like, he didn't have to do because doing too much may have been a bad thing with Aaron yeah. Rodgers there. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, but, but, but again, I, that's what made it fun for me is that we're going to sort of unveil what we think about our overall philosophy, but even like in individual situations where we're going to disagree upon. Yeah. Yeah, no. And that's, that's, you know, I think there is that balance, you know, that, that not having to rely on the offense to do everything, but um, you know, I, I, I just, 
and again, th- there is probably some bias, but I just I can't get it out of my head a couple of years ago when he's a rookie head coach and you and me are just every week like this is the worst 13 and three Packers team of all time. Like this is the worst 13 and three team of all time, regardless, like of who it is like they just they just never looked that good. But somehow they just kept winning. Um, and again, I, I, I think I, that's why I attribute it more to the quarterback position. Um, there's only two more coaches that I wanted to talk about. My number three, my number two. Um, I'll save the the Sean McDermott for for last because I think that'll spark some interesting conversations. But Andy Reid, number two. Um, I think he's earned that spot. Um, he's always been just a really damn good head coach, and it was nice seeing him his efforts rewarded with Kansas City. Like, I mean, he took Pat Mahomes, who who. You can say what you want. Nobody believed that he could be what this dude is. Andy Reid saw it from all accounts. Matt Nagy saw it. Um, and they they were able to let him sit behind Alex Smith, which I think if we know if we knew now what Pat Mahomes would be, like if he was that type of player going into the draft, we'd be like, what the hell is Andy Reid doing? But it just worked out so perfectly that he let this dude sit and then just take over the lead by storm. Like there's just, the whole team is just super impressive. Um, But again, I I don't think there's, I I think a lot of that is recency bias, which is why people have put it, are putting him at number one, where it's like, what have you done for me lately? But his whole history isn't some like, like just super impressive it's not it's not anywhere close to Bills, in my opinion. Yeah. Like it's it's a really good legacy though. I mean, you think of all the years is. he was doing with Philly and Donovan McNabb, like yeah. he's been doing this for and and that's what makes it very impressive for me, especially with him being an offensive coach, is that he's never gotten stale. You've never heard like what happened with Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. It's like, yeah, he was hot coming in, it looked yeah. great, and then after two years they adjusted and it's just really been Aaron Rodgers fucking floating the boat here. <laughs> And it's like yeah. Andy Reid, you never – people don't catch on to him because he's an amazing schemer and play caller. You know what I mean? Well, and something to that to that point is, I mean, you you like – you look at how many points they score and you're like, man, this offense has to be loaded. It has to have, you know, Calvin Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins. It has to have all the – it has one guy in Tyreek Hills, a wide receiver, and then a bunch of just – well, uh, Travis RG. Kelsey as well. Travis Kelly, of course, but I, I meant specifically from from the receiver position. But you're you're right. You're you're right to give the tra- Travis Kelsey credit there. But I mean, it's just like they don't have anything at the wide receiver position. It's just a bunch of guys. Like it's not that different from what the Bears' offense looks like. Gee, I wonder why. Um, you know, one really good receiver and then just a bunch of other you know whatevers. But um, it's it it's impressive. It is really impressive. You're you're absolutely right. How they I mean, you know who the two guys are. Travis Kelsey, got to stop him. Uh, Tyreek Hill, got to stop him. Nope, <laughs> you're not going to do it. It's just not going to happen. Um, and it's just that it's just real impressive to me. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, I, th- I think the last coach that, that we'll touch on that is just Sean McDermott. I had him at 11. You had him at three. I think for me, you, I, I mean, very impressive what he's done in, in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, the development of Josh Allen, you know, them really putting a, a, a stronghold on, on the division, at least for last year. 
in in a division that New England has <laughs> just ran the table with for 30 years. Um, but for me, it was a little bit. I, I I sort of grouped him in with like the Brian Flores type, the Kevin Stefanski type. Just of like, I like what I see. I need to see a tad bit more, but he can easily catapult. I mean, if he has another year like last year, he's leaping over quite a few and he's probably, you know, knocking on the top five there. But for me, I think the only person that I can put above him as it stands on my list and be comfortable with it would be Matt LaFleur, like flip-flop them, have LaFleur at 11 and Sean McDermott at 10, which is very hard for me with the the track record that a lot of these guys have in the top 10 for me, for him to, to catapult that. But that's not saying that he's far away from them. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like for me, it was just like, I, I give me like one more year of this. If you give me one more year of this, then, then I, I, I can shoot you up there. But I, I don't think it's absurd to have him in the top five. I was surprised that you did have him at number three over Mike Tomlin though. Yeah. I, I thought for me, like the immediately when I started r- ranking, it was like Bill B, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin. I'll shuffle the rest later. Yeah. <laughs> number. So, so full, full transparency, full explanation here for Sean McDermott at number three. I would think I was still trying to figure out exactly how I wanted to do my list. Um, you know, is it is it a current situation? You know, currently, who's the best head coaches? Or is it more kind of like, you know, everything put together? And I think once I decided to do it that way, because I probably sound like a gigantic hypocrite when it comes to, you know, some of these coaches. Oh, well, they haven't been to a Super Bowl. <laughs> Neither has Sean McDermott. But, you know, he's up there at number three. Um I, I kind of just started doing it and, and then I just kind of never looked back. So I could totally, I, I probably could put Sean McDermott a little like significantly lower and feel fine about it. But that being said, he took a quarterback who has no right to be doing what he's doing. And he's built that offense and the defense to work together this is a dangerous team, Frank. Like they, they just I agree. They ran into the Chiefs. Like you can't, you can't fault them too much for running into one of the best teams that the NFL has ever seen. But I think the transformation that that uh, that this team has made is is just it's so impressive. He's it, it's almost like the Brown making the Browns a playoff team. Like that's what the bills, like the bills fans. Sure. They went to four straight super bowls and then kind of just did nothing else with some ugly ass jerseys. And you know, T.O. that was like their big thing. And then, but he like changed this team around. Yep. And, and again, he took a quarterback that in Josh Allen, that nobody believed in. No one after, especially after his rookie year. And he is the reason that, that people think that Lamar Jackson still has another, you know, can still transform. It's literally because of what Sean McDermott was able to do with Josh Allen. It's super impressive. It really is. They need to figure out the run game. Obviously like that's that, that whole thing isn't, isn't good, but I think they have an opportunity to establish. I, I think one more year is probably the right term for him. If they can, dominate this division with, you know, New England probably being up not to 100%, obviously they don't have Brady, but when they get all their players back, if they do, you know, if they if he can dominate and win this division, I think that says a lot about where Sean McDermott is. Um 
you know, in, in this tier of, of coaches. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could see an argument for him being lower. Maybe he doesn't have the, the best, you know, pedigree, but I think what he's done so far with his roster, I think it's, it's very impressive. No, I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I'm just as impressed as you are. I think my, my take on it was him only with them only being a coach for three, right? 17, 18, 19, 20. So four years, it was like, it was just hard for me mm-hmm. as impressed as I was to like justify him over some guys that I've seen do it over a longer period of time. But, but again, just as impressed because what he's done in Buffalo has been outstanding. I, yeah. I mean, to, uh, I echo all, every single one of your points. I think there's a one knock for me, and, and this will be my last point. We can wrap it up. Is that he is a defensive coach, and we saw that Buffalo defense regre- regress quite a bit. Like we've seen the offense look great. Mm-hmm. I want to see him turn this defense around and get them back to being top ten again. Yeah, yeah, and I think they did that with with some injuries as well. Um, so that wasn't terribly surprising, um, but. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, three is probably too high. I, I'm going to acknowledge that now. I'm not going to die on that hill, the Sean McDermott hill. Um, what I will say is that Matt Nagy should probably be number three, and that's where he's going to end up next year because Justin Fields is going to win a Super Bowl, and it's just going to be the greatest turnaround of all time. Like when, when Justin Fields throws for 6,000 yards and 60 touchdowns, like how, yeah. how, how are you going to keep him out of the top three, you if can't. not number one? He will be number one after this year. He's he's gonna he's gonna win two Super Bowls this season. That's how good he is. Well, that, I think that's a good stopping point for this episode of the Cork Tub Podcast. Um, you know, Frank, I I had a ton of fun doing this one. It's a little bit different than what we've talked about in the past. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. If if you have thoughts, you know, you have a certain coach that should be way higher. If you have a certain coach that should be a little bit lower, definitely want to know those uh, for sure. So. Frank, till next week, I'll talk to you later, man. Later, Jackie. It was an absolute pleasure. And everyone, I should have said this at the beginning, Apple is having issues with uploads right now for some reason. Our last episode should have been posted last Thursday because we were a day late. And it didn't post until today. So it's still pretty relevant. It's about the NBA. Go ahead and check that out. I'm hoping this one is back on time. I don't know what I, I I did my Googles and such and everyone's saying that ever since the subscription based thing on Apple or like you can like pay podcasters now um, that that's it's been messing up their uploads quite a bit. So I'm hoping it was, I submitted a ticket. It got uploaded immediately after I submitted that. So I'm hoping that like cleared the RSS feed or whatever was wrong with it. So bear with us here and apologies for that, even though it wasn't our fault later, everybody. <laughs>